G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. My eldest daughter, she was about 13, 14, and she said all of a sudden to me one day, Mum, why don't you ever talk about your parents? You know? And I said, Margaret, we are Jews. Most of our family all got killed in the war. We don't talk about it, and I don't want you to say anything about it. Nobody's allowed to know. Because I was frightened that something would happen to my children. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, we have the conclusion of our three-part conversation with Holocaust survivor Nettie, sharing her incredible life journey. Last time, we heard how she came to live in Australia and put her faith in Jesus Christ. But we also heard how she felt the need to hide her Jewish ethnicity, even after she became a follower of Jesus. Today, we'll hear how she eventually finds a place where she can feel at home and understood while both believing in Jesus and being Jewish. Nettie is sharing with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios and at this point in her story, she has just become a believer. I had such joy, you know, it's just amazing. And a few days later when our pastor came to counsel me because, you know, that was all part of the thing. Kind of as the follow-up? Yes, as a Mm follow-up. And uh, he you know, he wanted to interview me, asked me, you know, uh, how long I'd been out of Holland and why I'd come. And I told him and told him I was Jewish and mm-hmm. I lost. And then he said to me, well, my dear, he says, now you're a Christian, you're not Jewish anymore. And I was mm-hmm. that stunned that I couldn't believe why somebody could tell you that. I mean... How can you just say you're not Jewish? I lost my whole family, mm-hmm. and I, only a few survived. And that was just the hardest thing. And mm-hmm. I decided I never say anything to anybody, and I never told, not even my children. Nobody knew. I so, came to Melbourne. I, we lived in Melbourne. Uh, I mean, after we were for nearly ten years in Korea, and then we came to Melbourne. Um, just part of the big church I never never told anybody so the pastor uh, he was well meaning he was well had no idea but had no idea because he had he was good in the Bible studies you know and explained everything but he couldn't see it he couldn't see well I mean if you were a Muslim and accepted Jesus as savior you would be a former Muslim you would no longer be Muslim, or the same as Buddhist. Yeah, but that or, is a religion. Exactly. So but, uh, Jewish, Jewish is unique. It is a, a people that God has chosen. Right. It's your ethnicity. Uh, yes. Yes. So that you're, you're never going to stop being ethnic. No, you can't. Yeah, you can't. It's who you are. No. And, and why would I lose my whole family if yeah, for what? So he didn't realize, but he was really hurting you. Yes. And he was a good man, yeah, and yeah. he was a good Bible teacher, but he just didn't understand. And, of course, the irony is Jesus 
was Jewish. <laughs> Jewish yeah. <laughs> so, hey, there's no more Jewish than Jesus. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened next in your story? So I never told anybody. And as I said, I was here for many, many years. You um, just didn't think they would understand? And I never told anybody. Why? Because you didn't? I, I was hurt so much mm. by that, that really I disconnected myself from the church in a way that I went to the church. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. He died for my sins. And I know I've been set free and given a new life. Mm-hmm. But my own life was separate from that life. You mean your, your Jewish identity? Yeah, was, was separated separate. from the church life mm-hmm. until my eldest daughter, she was about 13, 14, and she said all of a sudden to me one day, Mum, why don't you ever talk about your parents, you know, and do you have aunties and uncles? And I said, Margaret, we are Jews. Most of our family all got killed in the war. We don't talk about it, and I don't want you to say anything about it. Nobody's allowed to know. And she did. She never told anybody. She didn't even talk to her brothers or her, or my other daughter about it. She never. She hmm. she just shut up and never told anybody. And, and why it was did, amazing. Why didn't you want her to? Because tell I was frightened that something happened would, would happen to my children because I was Jewish that somebody would come and put a bomb in, in my letterbox. Uh, and also at Some that, anti-Jewish person would do something. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to have anything happen to my children, mm. you know. I didn't want to... So you, you just wanted to protect be, them. Protect them, mm. that is the whole thing. So don't say anything about no, being Jewish. That's right. And then when Margaret got married, uh, she was at the church who started another church, Baptist Church in Kilside. Mm-hmm. And Not they too went far from where we are sitting right now. <laughs> <laughs> and they went over to help with the pastor, to help with the services and that. So mm-hmm. and then one day they had a speaker coming to their church and it was a Jewish man and he was connected to what is now celebrating Simon Lawrence, but at the time it was only just very much in the beginning. And he and his he and himself and his wife went later out as missionaries to other country. And um, anyway, so he was speaking, and he and, and Marcus couldn't believe it. You know, it's about the Jewish people believers. You know, and uh, so she said to her husband, she said. I like to go and hear this, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so off she went. And at the time, they were still worshiping and meeting in a hall of another church somewhere in Hawthorne, I believe. And that is where she went to hear. And then she wanted to know more. She about wanted this to know more. Jewish she wanted to guy f- who believed yeah. in Jesus. Yeah, and uh, she told me about it, and I was very skeptical. And she said. Mum, one day you have to come with me. And um, I said, okay, you know. By that time, my husband wasn't well. And so one Sunday, I said, okay, I'll come by myself, you know. I, mm-hmm. I said to my husband, you stay home. Who knows what this is all about? I just want to find <laughs> out, you know. It could be a bunch <laughs> of weirdos. <so> who knows? <laughs> and uh, anyway... So I went with her, and they had only just moved into Caulfield mm-hmm. uh, in 1998. Which is a very Jewish community. Yes. In the Melbourne area. Yes, but I know. And, um, uh, and it was in 1998 I went with her, 
And um, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that there were Jewish people who believed in, in Jesus and who were so happy. They were singing and unbelievable. I just, and then all of a sudden, this song came, Shalom Aleichem. And when I heard the words and when I heard the tune, that was it. I was just crying my eyes at him. And Margaret got so concerned, Mum, what's the matter? And I said, that is the song I know. And I know my mum has taught us that when I was little, mm. you know, and it is so important to tell your children about Jesus and teach them the right way, even from when they are little. Because... Yep. This is what happened to me, and uh, and here uh, this song was sung, and it, I just couldn't believe. It just it. touched your heart. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. What, what are the words? Shalom aleichem. What does that mean? Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you. But I only knew the first two words. I never, I knew the whole tune, but I didn't know any of the other words of the song. Uh, That is what I remembered Mm -hmm. from what my mama told me. So this is a traditional Jewish song? One of the normal Jewish songs, yeah. So they were singing that at this Messianic Jewish congregation, yeah, as well as other Hebrew songs? Yeah. How did that make you feel? I, I just realized how much connection have I got here, you know? What am I doing? Where, why am I in another church where I couldn't even talk about my own life and what happened to me while I'm here in a congregation and everybody has the same understanding and knows where they're from. And that is when I started to talk to Lawrence and you the know, explain it all, and uh, and I've never been back. You're listening to The Story. Today is part three of our conversation with Holocaust survivor Nettie. And it was great to hear how she finally found a place where she felt at home worshipping Jesus at a Messianic Jewish congregation. Next, we'll hear more about what it means to be a Messianic Jew when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with part three of Holocaust survivor Nettie sharing her incredible life journey. Before the break, we heard how she felt at home worshipping Jesus at a Messianic Jewish congregation. And a little background info for you, Messianic Jews are Jewish people who believe and have accepted Jesus as the promised Messiah. These Jewish people do not stop being Jewish, but they continue to remain strong in their Jewish identity while following Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus. 
Many Messianic Jews refer to themselves as completed Jews since they believe that their faith in the God of Israel has been completed or fulfilled in Yeshua. Now, let's get back to Nettie's story as she talks about how she became involved with a Messianic Jewish congregation. We lived out Pakenham Bay, mm. bit out, lovely open area, and um, that was then. Mm. Not now yeah. it's all back to nearly a suburb of Melbourne, but um, it was then a really country, and and it was easy to get on the freeway and come through to Coalfields. You so know, so you just from that point on, and you just went yeah, there well, every, but we still were in the church because. Mm-hmm. You know, we were involved. My husband was involved in the church as well. And we just, just couldn't couldn't cope with just all of a sudden leaving. That was not our yeah, idea. Yeah. And so you went to both? We went to both. And then my husband became much more ill. And my children said, Mum, you have to come and live closer to us. So we moved. They found us the place in Croydon, but it's only a couple of minutes from one daughter and about 10 minutes from my other daughter. So... I'm very much, you know, closer yeah, to them. Yeah. yeah, and then after he died, I'm completely, I've got more involved with the congregation there. And yeah. Yep, and then when I went to visit the congregation the other week, you yeah. greeted me at the door. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you said, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, yeah. Which means... Yeah. Uh, peace for the Sabbath, yeah. I'll give you peace for the Sabbath, yeah. Well, I feel much at home, you know, at the churches I went to, um, you just really, because, you know, I could never talk openly. It just felt like they had to leave your Jewishness at, on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. It was so how I always felt. And now you can embrace and your Jewish embrace, heritage. Yeah. And my friends I had in the, in the church, they're still my friends. Mm-hmm. And I've told them all about it. And they're just happy to be my friends. And mm-hmm. we get on very well. And a lot of them understand. And that is wonderful. Because I didn't lose my friends. Mm-hmm. So my you could friends. go to one week, go to a traditional Christian church, a Baptist yeah, church. Yeah, I, I, I go sometimes with my daughter and son-in-law to Croydon Hills. And you now feel comfortable. And I, I still got all my friends there as yeah, well. It's, yeah. it's just wonderful. But they know. They know that uh, I'm happy where I am in my Jewish congregation. And, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. And... Um, one thing I had to learn as a Christian to learn to forgive. Mm-hmm. Now, because you know, God wants us as a people to share our love with other people, but you can't share your love if you have something against somebody. Mm-hmm. And He wants us to forgive. And I had to learn to forgive my stepmother. Now, that is one of the hardest things because there was so much negativity mm. in my life about her. But, you know, if if you go really deep into the Lord and learn about his forgiveness for my life, mm-hmm. he died for me. He set me free, you mm. know. Um, you can't then have anything against somebody else who might have done you wrong. Mm. Probably... Yep. She did this to us because she wanted to get the Jewishness out of us. But you can't do that. You can't. Right, right. That is something that cannot happen. Mm-hmm. But that is what she wanted. She wanted us to be Protestant, as she called it. And 
we had no idea what Protestant meant at the time, but she wanted us, but she just couldn't love us. Mm. And that was one of the hardest things, I think, for both my brother and I, that she didn't love us. But later when on, when you get older, you think, yeah, how, how hard is it to love another child that you haven't born, that is mm. not your own? Um, it's not that is not easy, mm. you know. But God's love is different. Mm-hmm. God's love through through the love of God, we can love other children. We can love, but she didn't have that mm. in her. Yeah, and that was the whole thing. And you know, I got some first written down because um, I'm getting older. I keep forgetting things, <laughs> and. Um, but, you know, the Bible tells us we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God mm-hmm. uh, in Romans. And he also said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And, you know, it took a lot of prayer and mm-hmm. a lot of soul searching to learn how to forgive. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that I had to learn, you know, and, and also in Mark, it was written that whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And for me to come to understand that if I wanted God to forgive me for my bad things I've done in my life, I had first to learn to forgive somebody mm-hmm. else. And that was actually the greatest thing in my life that I had to go through. But when I learned that and when I was able to forgive my stepmother, I was just, oh, I've just set you free. Mm, it is yeah. just a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. And then other people who have gone through the Holocaust survivor journey. Yeah have gone the other direction. Oh, most Jewish people don't want to know about atheists. God. Because they've become atheists. Because where was God? Where was God? And you try to say, well, God was there with you in the camps. And, it, you know, and, and uh, as Christians, when you read Corrie ten Boehm's books, mm-hmm. yep, yep. she was a witness there, right there. And, and I've read other books from other Holocaust survivors who still believe in God. And I tried even in the deepest hours to celebrate the Passover, even in the camps mm-hmm. with nothing that they had, you know, and um, yeah, it's amazing. So you went searching for God. Yeah, and I found him. And you found him. <laughs> and, and you have joy. Yes, I do. I do have wonderful joy. Yeah. Any other final comments you'd like to share? Oh, I always, when I have talked to churches and schools, you know, I always finish up with a verse, and that is, be strong and of good courage, and do not be afraid, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is what I always finish up with, because it is so true. He never leaves us, he never forsakes Mm -hmm. us, and he sets us free. Wow, even though you've been through some horrendous, terrible experiences that we wouldn't wish on anyone, but the Lord was with you. And you can share that story with others and give that hope to others. That's right. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for inviting me.
And for the few remaining moments that we have in today's program, I thought it would be good to have Lawrence Hirsch, who is the executive director of Celebrate Messiah, join us to give us some insights into Nettie's story and help us understand what messianic Jewishness is in general. Welcome to the program, Lawrence Hirsch. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be on. Glad to have you with us. And you are familiar with Nettie. Do you remember the first time she came to visit your congregation? Yes, it uh, was some time ago. Uh, we were running services uh, in Hawthorne West at that time, and I remember Nettie coming with her daughter. And uh, it was uh, very special to meet her and to hear her story. And, um, you know, to find out subsequently how God had really touched her on that first night that she came. And uh, her story, of course, is that she, she uh, came and just felt that she was finally at home. And that's exactly the kind of thing we, we're trying to set up at our ministries to help Jewish people uh, reconnect with God and come to understand that Jesus is our Messiah. And of course, we, we worship in a way that is culturally sensitive and relevant to Jewish people. And that's exactly what we hope would happen is that they reconnect with God and their Jewishness and um, come to faith in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Now, in her story, she accepted Jesus as her Savior here in Australia in the 1960s, and a very well-meaning pastor told her, you are now a Christian, you are no longer Jewish. And that just really hurt her. Can you kind of explain to people why that would be hurtful for a Jewish person to hear that? Well, I think uh, you can imagine, especially uh, for Nettie, as a, a Jewish person whose family was killed in the Holocaust, many of her family members killed in the Holocaust. She survives that Holocaust as a Jewish person, and at this point, she is hiding a bit of her Jewish identity because of the persecution in mm-hmm. Europe, so she's not really living as a Jew, but always in her heart she knows she's Jewish. Uh, and she comes to faith in Jesus, and remember that Jesus is really the Jewish Messiah. He mm-hmm. came in fulfillment of God's promises to, to Israel, and he came as the, uh, the Messiah of, of Israel. So she received Jesus as the Messiah, and then gets told that now she can't be Jewish anymore. She's no longer Jewish, she's a Christian. So, uh, of course, that is uh, a deep uh, affront to her at that point. And uh, it is an issue uh, to Jewish people, because, of course... Um, you know, we, we do, you know, most of us believe that our Jewish identity is important and we don't really want to leave that at the door when coming to faith in Jesus. And why should we? Mm-hmm. Uh, if Jesus truly is who he said he was, i.e. the Jewish Messiah, well, then what could be more Jewish than, than following him? So um, that's the kind of message we want to get across to Jewish people is that you don't have to stop being Jewish to follow Jesus because he is the Messiah and... Uh, he came in fulfillment of all that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, even said things like, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I've come to fulfill them. So uh, for those of us who have come to faith in Jesus, we feel that we are now really completed Jews in the sense that we have come home to our Messiah. No. important for us. Yes, exactly. Very, very important to Nettie. But I'm just trying to look at it from the perspective of, you know, more mainstream Christians are thinking, well, hey, if I was a Muslim and I put my faith in Jesus, I would be a former Muslim. But Jewishness is unique. You don't become a former Jew. Is that what you're saying? That's right. 
Well, you know, it's what I like to say to people is they often uh, might comment to me and say, well, Lawrence, you're a converted Jew. And I say, no, I'm a converted sinner that just happens to be <laughs> Jewish. Uh, I didn't have to repent of being Jewish. That's not a sin. Uh, yeah, the difference is that, of course, Jesus himself was Jewish. And the whole message of the gospel was brought to the world by Jewish people. So the first disciples were all Jews. You know, it was a message that was consistent with what God had already given to the Jewish people. So it wasn't a new religion. It was a fulfillment of what God had already said. So it really is a continuum. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we are Christians in a sense of our faith, but Jewish in our ethnicity, of course, and we don't have to leave that at the door. We'll still be Jews and we'll die as Jews. But we love the Messiah, and uh, uh, this is an important part of also our ongoing witness to our people. We want to really help Jewish people understand that uh, we are Jews and we'll continue to be Jewish, but we believe that Jesus is our Messiah and that he really is the completion of Judaism. So often uh, we call ourselves Messianic Jews, mm -hmm. and we use that term in order to, again, emphasize the continuity with our Jewish identity and that we haven't given up our, our, our Jewish faith and our Jewish background that we are now followers of Jesus the Messiah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and helping us understand a little bit more about Messianic Jewishness. That's a pleasure, Eric, and thanks for the question. That was the executive director of Celebrate Messiah, Lawrence Hirsch, who was also the rabbi at Nettie's Messianic Jewish Congregation in Melbourne. If you would like to learn more about the congregation and about the larger Messianic Jewish movement in Australia, their website is celebratemessiah.com.au. That's celebratemessiah.com.au. Well, thanks for joining us for today's conclusion of Holocaust survivor Nettie sharing her life journey and what an amazing journey it has been from having to hide with her family during World War II near Amsterdam to having a harsh stepmother after the war to finally finding peace with God after hearing the gospel here in Australia. It's truly remarkable how God has worked in her life and it's great to know that she has finally found a place where, as she says, she doesn't have to check her Jewishness at the door but can freely worship her Heavenly Father with others from a Jewish background who have also placed their faith in Jesus, the Messiah. Well, until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We had a prophetic word over our lives, and that would be that we would be working with family ministry, that we would be speaking into families' lives regarding marriage and children. And both of us just looked at each other and, you know, that was a passion for both of us. And now there was a prophetic word to go along with it. This was pre-engagement. Kate Ryan, along with her husband Brett, provide leadership for Focus on the Family Australia. We'll hear her story and their heart for helping Australian families next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.